Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right. You're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs with me, Giles Bidder. For a large chunk of these older episodes, I've had to cut the original intros as part of a migration process. So all that means is we're going to get straight into the interview here with the name that you clicked on. No warm-ups, no preamble, just a straight one, two, and in. You ready? One, two... Yeah, we moved at the in January, so that's why I'm on PST time. That's exciting. Not not just because I'm trying to like live that Hollywood time zone lifestyle over in New York or anything. <laughs> live live in East Coast, but do everything West Coast time. Yeah, you know, I just you know, I guess I don't know. Dress for the job you want, not the job you have. <laughs> and I want to be in Hollywood, baby. Well, speaking of work, we arranged this interview around some work that you've got going on, and yeah. I wanted to save it for this. So, what what are you up to right now? Oh shit! Um, uh, yeah. So I um compose music right now for a show on Cartoon Network called Craig of the Creek, and I'm like, I I'm up to like the 95th episode. Oh wow! This has been in the last like two or three years that all that has gone down. Um, so what what does a normal day for you look like? It looks like I wake up around eight. Um, I try and just get my brain started somehow in the morning, even though my brain does not really work in the morning. And then I sit in my uh, studio and I watch the cartoon and just write music along to it for until I get like a certain amount done. Uh, usually it's like, my time is like 10 to eight. Usually sometimes I end up working super, super late into the night because I can't figure it out. Um, but yeah, it's just, it just kind of, it's just this nonstop thing of like, okay, wake up, do this, wake up, do this. Uh, it's fun. It's sick. I, I really like the job. It is, it, it's crazy how much time, uh, it takes up, but, uh, it's cool. I, I, I feel bad that it takes up so much time. <laughs> Well, I'm so glad. That sounds like an amazing job, an amazing gig for, for someone like someone like you who's so animated. Ah, <laughs> thanks. It makes me I think. Like I mean, throughout all the bands that I've known you to be in, Arrogant Sons of Bitches and Bomb the Music Industry and Kudrow and and all these other stuff, probably that like, a bunch of stuff that I don't know. I mean, you must have had so many so many jobs along you know along the way. What year did Arrogant Sons of Bitches start? Yeah, so ASOB started in 1995, but I was like 13, so I don't I don't know if like the first year or two of that band even counts that much. Uh but yeah, it started in 1995 and we put out our first record in 1998. Were you pretty I mean looking back now, would you say that you were pretty ambitious teenagers? Uh, there was a point where that kind of became the vibe. I think we just, I, we were in high school, so we were just like, let's, we just all wanted to be in a band, I think. Like, I, I was in a, like, I was in a band or two before that that were not 
one was like a ska band that I was playing bass in that I was like <laughs> clearly like uh, I don't know at the time like I want to say it was too punk for it but that makes me look like I'm the good person in this situation where I think I was just like I don't know uh, I was in that band for a little bit and then I left and then I was also in a hardcore band that I started with some friends but like we never even played shows or anything so this was just like the band that like I feel like a lot of our friends uh I don't know. We just ended up in. And then after a certain amount of time, I think we're just like, what if we don't break up after high school is done and we keep trying to do it? Uh, And that's kind of when it became like, okay, well, let's figure out how to tour and let's try and do all these things and take it a little more seriously, I guess. It's funny. It's, It's easy to be hesitant about that serious word, isn't it? Because what you want to do in a punk rock yeah. band is like the antidote to that. You know, there's there's a level of escapism that you're trying to, you know, just have fun. Yeah, I think that honestly, the period of time that ASOB was taking itself seriously and like, uh, I don't know, trying, just trying to get on good tours and trying to uh, get signed and all that stuff, all like without the help of a manager, all doing it ourselves. But like, I think that that period of time that we were taking seriously is maybe the only time I've ever taken my punk band seriously. <laughs> I feel like I learned my lesson after that. That like this just makes it not fun to hang out with your friends, you know? Right. And was that a big lesson for you? Oh yeah, I I've made. I feel like I've made a lot a lot of mistakes. I don't know. I mean, I don't like uh with that yeah i i don't even know if i'd call it a mistake i think it is just learning you know it's something that i wouldn't necessarily do again but of like i don't know of any regrets i have in my life i feel like that's at least one that i i learned from and i feel like i came out of uh really kind of understanding what my relationship to music is you know what i mean yeah, totally. I think you go through stages of having, you know, a set of goals that you yeah. try and work towards and you think, oh, well, if I if I do that, that can make me happy. But um, that's not <laughs> yeah. reality most of the time. <laughs> I right? feel like that's where like, that's where the trouble is, is that that last thing is like, and then, and then I'll be happy. It's like, uh, it's like, if you're not happy, this stuff is a good, it's, it's not going to change that for you. Yeah, I see it in sports a lot when... They have interviews with players where, you know, they, they're asking about their, their progress and, and a lot of players will just be like, well, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm just keeping my head down and, and playing, you know, I'm just trying to yeah. play my best game. Is there a similarity there? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I, think, uh, I think athletes have a really interesting parallel with touring musicians because they travel all the time, you know? I, I think about that when I'm watching basketball and just think like, man, this band's been on the road for like, a week and a half in the middle of nowhere, like running around on a basketball court all night. That's nuts. Uh, yeah. And people are going to analyze your every move. And if you do something different or mess up, people are going to let you know. Yeah. 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 Every, yeah. That's another thing that like every, every fucking moment is critical in this weird way, uh, which is like that. And like, that's a good thing about like keeping your head down and trying to work and just like not even thinking about it. And that's, that is, uh, that's how I try to approach it all the time like even i mean obviously i don't it's impossible to ignore when things are getting better or things are getting worse and stuff like that um but like i don't know i like with bomb i feel like i kept my head so down and so like in it and just try to like do like whatever the fucking most radical thing i could think of was at the time that like i didn't realize that we had a fan base and that we were 
doing good. I was just kind of focused on like, you know, just sending out emails and trying to book that next tour and being frustrated that like people wouldn't write me back and stuff like that, you know? That's funny that you didn't know how many people were listening to it because to me, you were kind of one of the first internet literate punk rock bands, which means you can, it's quantifiable data, right? You can see how many people are listening, how many people are downloading from quote unquote. I never looked at them. I like, I looked at them like once. I, I feel like I would look at them like a month after the record came out, look at how many downloads happened. I'd be like, oh shit. Uh, and then I would convince myself that like, that can't be right. And then I would just like move on from it. Uh, but it was before like people tracked like streams and shit like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like, I don't know. We If we, if I told you like we had like 10,000 people uh, download scrambles, like the first whatever it came out. I like you wouldn't have any context for whether that was good or not like I sure didn't when I would see those things I'd be like well that seems like a lot but is that a lot who cares and then I just never would look at that stuff again I suppose the kind of orthodox way of being in a band and deciding how much work you put into it or how much time you put into it depends on how many people are listening how many people are downloading or coming to the gigs and in that sense you've got two legs that are interdependent for each other to exist kind of like what you know one needs the other sure yeah but uh and but i mean in, the, in that context like i don't know i feel like it's nicer for the people who are who are listening to be the other foot because you're kind of all in it together you know i think that there's a way to approach it where the other foot is like is either press or management or all these other things that kind of like uh present your music for the world uh and that's kind of what helps it take off and i i don't know i i feel like i i i'm very fortunate and i much prefer like that it's kind of it feels like all of us are just in a place together when we're at a show you know what i mean yeah i feel that and you're just so good at making that environment in recent years have you sort of leaned towards more you know that that professional leg of press and and record label stuff oh yeah like especially yeah definitely i think like since uh as a solo artist uh i signed to side one dummy uh that was definitely like this weird uh leap of faith into something that i uh i was just like i i like i knew aspects of it would make me anxious um, but at the same time, I was getting older, and uh, I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase, but YOLO, baby. So I was just like, fucking whatever. Let's see what happens if I try and like do this thing where like I I am actually doing press for a record and have people promoting it and stuff like that. Um, you've had friends, you've had friends on that record label though, and you know someone like Jamie Coletta, I'd heard of her because she was yeah. such a good press person she was she was working at the label at the time right yeah uh, jamie jamie was a huge reason uh is a huge reason uh that like i ever even had the confidence to like tell anybody else about my music like just those conversations that we had very early on at side one because i like i didn't know who jamie was at all and i was gonna ask my friend talia to do press on the record and side one was basically like well we have this in-house publicist you should use her and i was like okay uh, and we met uh, and we had met beforehand. I was like, OK, yeah, Jamie's nice. I, that it would be weird for me to be like, no, use my friend. Uh, so and like some of the first conversations that we had with each other, 
I don't know. She just made me feel okay about, I don't, maybe about being, I don't want to say being proud of my music because that feels like a very strong statement, but just like feeling like I made a good record and, and, and like not feeling stupid for wanting to present it in just a very honest way. You know, uh, I feel like a lot of people, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like in general, there's just this vibe of like, well, what angle can you work to like get this into this outlet or to have it skew more indie or have it skew more like hot topic or like fuck or whatever. And those were not conversations that we had. I feel like if I had spoken to somebody who was like, all right, let's we need to have your press photos be this way or this way or whatever, uh, I might not have really I don't know. I might have just like fuck this i just like not not tried at all and not done anything else been like that was a weird experiment you know there are some people that can just help you frame yourself into something that you do like and frame your art to the outside world in a way that you agree with yeah yeah it's uh it's interesting because at the end of the day you're selling something and like uh that's just something that i've always that with music, especially, I, is, I've I've always just felt conflicted about about like turning, uh, you know, turning something that is just something that I'm hopefully making from an honest place within myself, and trying to parlay it into this uh, capitalist system that I think is flawed and fucked up. You know, I can I completely understand. I mean, it's it, that 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 angle comes up in these chats all the time because. You know, you're trying to do something that you love in a way that you agree with. And and that's a battle sometimes. Speaking of uh, Jamie Coletta, Jeff, I uh, I got bitten back in the day when I was when I was playing in Jeff, <laughs> when I was playing in Great Cynics. I got bitten. Oh, uh, the email, oh yeah. the email chain by saying that um, something that I, I thought the label was too big for us. You didn't say that. Didn't re- you oh, didn't say oh, you no. thought they might be too big for you. <laughs> I feel like it was something that was condescending. I don't remember, but I remember being like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> well, maybe it's not too late to say sorry, speaking of mistakes. I think so. You could say you're sorry. I don't remember what it said, though. I just remember being like, oh, shit, that's not good. <laughs> oh, man, you got to be careful about that email chain, don't you? Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm very thankful for the Gmail undo button. I use it frequently. I know, I know. The second I hit send, that I'm that is not ready to go yet. I, I like edit emails like for twenty minutes, even if it's just writing back and saying hello. I feel like I fucking hate email; it stresses me out. When I when I think of Jeff Rosenstock, when I think of you, I think about how much time you must have spent on emails. What do you mean? Because the internet's your tool; like that's your that's your concept. Well, yeah, but I mean, well, sometimes it was fun, though, because like, especially with bomb stuff like uh, and this is great because we're talking about jobs Uh, like I would I had a Blackberry and while I was like at work, I would just like be working on my computer with one hand, like scanning in photos and stuff. And then like with the other hand, like underneath my desk, be on my space and like writing people back and be like. Yeah, we could play this. Yeah, we have that date available. We want to play Cincinnati. Like, what do we do? Can it be an all ages show? It's just like booking tours while I was working at the same time. Uh, like a true professional. That was one. Yeah, that's a job that I had. It was a temp job at a um, book publishing company called Dover Publications. Uh, and it was sick, man. Any graphic design job I ever had, I was just like, 
I'm in heaven. I love doing graphic design and it comes pretty easy to me. Uh, I like working in an office where I'm doing graphic design because I feel like uh, the graphic designer at an office is always doing something that like the other people who work there don't or not everybody, but like a lot of people who work there don't understand like how easy it is to do the job. And they're just like, wow, you did that. You're like, yeah. Uh, what kind of stuff were you working on? Uh, so they they do like coloring books, um, old like archival uh, engravings. I don't really know how to describe the engravings, but imagine like, you know, if you look up like a picture of uh, like an old ass building and it's like really, really fine detail, like uh, line art. That's they did that stuff. Um, they did like uh, like kind of like just reproducing educational books from like the 60s and the 70s or like, you know, art guides and stuff like that. Um, I had like a really weird photo series. I'll, I could probably fucking find it. I don't know how to find it it's somewhere in my email, but like scanning in like photos of just naked people, like playing leapfrog with each other just so you could get like a, <laughs> A visual of the human form fascinating uh that was something it was it was just like yeah it was just a standard ass book job uh it was fun though I, I like the first time the first stretch that i had there as a temp uh i got to do a lot of like developing photos in the uh in the dark room uh just to see if like the blacks were good or see if all the contrast came out, like to see if anything was getting lost once it got developed. And that was really, really fun. I, I liked being in a dark room, even though I feel like I wasn't really doing all that much except standing in the dark room, waiting for something to get developed. It was like a pretty cool ass aspect of that job for a second. Working in design and, you know, aesthetics, that's a job that goes hand in hand with playing in a band, right? You know, having yeah. that tool to make, flyers or or t-shirt designs yeah i well i think yeah you you gotta right i mean i i started doing graphic design because i like i was both making fake album art for my fake band that didn't exist and writing fake interviews with people uh for my fake zine that wasn't real when i was like 10 11 12 years old and i was just like I want to write a magazine. I want to make a record. I got to learn how to use print shop or like I got this shareware version of Corel draw. I got to figure out how to lay stuff out. And then, you know, that eventually moves to like making a shitty web page for your band at the time or like doing like tape layouts and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, like, I, I don't know. I realized like, Oh shit, I'm a graphic designer. Huh. Have you been quite good at being business minded and crafty and kind of keeping your rates good? Yes and no. Like I, if I got a corporate job, I feel like I would just throw out a number that sounded insane to me, and they would be like, "Okay," and I would just, and that's what I was talking about. Where it's like, I don't think people know how easy graphic design is, uh, and I was just like, "All right." fucking 35 bucks an hour sure thing gimme 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 uh and then like i would work these jobs for uh you know between two and six months or maybe less uh and then i'd have money that would last me for like two years because i was i'm just a thrifty person uh and i could just live off of it like that i the first 
like that job that I got where I was scanning, which was like the first good one of those jobs that I got. Like, I feel like after I got that job, I was set for a pretty long time. And then once that money started running out and because I'd moved to Georgia and then moved back to New York, uh, when I moved back to New York, they called me up and asked me if I wanted that job again. And I was like, this is sick. Yep. Thanks. So yeah, I was, I'm crafting it that way. But like when it comes to doing freelance stuff for friends or even like trying to seek out my own work, I've never known what rate to charge because the rate the graphic designer charge, that graphic designers charge to me seems fucking like bonkers and like unfair. It's like, how could anybody afford that? So I was always thankful to have like jobs through temp agencies with like at places where I knew that they're familiar with paying this amount and I didn't have to feel bad about taking the money. But whenever it's like a person who wanted a website made, I feel like I'd be like, yeah, okay, 200 bucks, you know, or and like that's kind of how it was when I was like doing recordings for bands and stuff too. I feel like, I don't know, when I was starting out, I would charge $100 a day. And then like, eventually, I might charge $200 for a full day. Just because I was just like, I don't know, it seems crazy to charge for this. I'm having a fun time, you know? And you can kind of see how that turns into a full time job pretty quickly. I mean, where were you at at that point with kind of juggling the band and working those two things symbiotically? At that point, I was just being in a band is fun, man. Like I, I didn't even connect i and i i've never connected that those that the that my work brain and my band brain were the same thing so it was just kind of like i don't know like when i talk about booking tours like under the table or in the bathroom while i was at these jobs like it kind of felt like like those scenes in like movies where like a kid puts like a comic book and like in like the middle of the pages of a textbook and he's like ah, ha, ha, I'm I'm not really studying you know what I mean uh that's what it felt like to be doing that stuff so it didn't really feel like work it was fun you know that's what I wanted to do in my spare time which is is play music and drink beers with my buddies you know right but then playing in a touring band in north america is hard right i mean yeah. some of those drives are just insane so yeah uh like a five six hour drive is pretty normal and you'll get some fucking massive drives so there um, there must have been times for you where you just kind of didn't enjoy it like that yeah uh you know there have been and uh I feel like, uh, you know, some of those times, it, I don't know, I, at the same time, I, there's never been, there's been so few shows I could think of. And I, I'm just saying that because I can't think of any right now where like, as I was playing the show that I was like, I don't want to be here. Like even in my darkest moments of like ASOB tours and stuff like that. Like I got a lot of joy out of like antagonizing the crowd and like, you know, kind of harnessing like all the darkness inside me to like play a show that I felt was like, even if it was really fucked up, that it was like really memorable and that it was like something worth doing and something that people that I at least would remember, you know? Uh, So yeah, like there's, there's, there hasn't been like, I don't know. There, there's times when it gets hard, but there's, there's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, sure. There's times where you don't want to do it. <laughs> Has anything rivaled playing in a band for you full time in, in terms of, you know, a career? Nothing real, you know, uh, 
Like I would do, there was time I would like make websites in the, I, if any graphic designer who's in a band is listening to this, they know that like sometimes you just have your laptop in the van and you're working in the van, like through like some, this is like before mobile hotspots were good. So through like a 56 K connection on my phone, just like trying to update websites and stuff like that. Um, I've always, when it's come down to like, are you going to be in a touring band or are you going to do this job? I've always just chosen being in a band because I, I've I've always just kind of like separated like, okay, so work is how I make my money and my band is the thing that is me. You know, my music is me. It's like, it's, it's essential to surviving for me. Uh, so whenever those things came up, I don't know. At that gra- at that book job, that was a that was fucking dark and lame cuz like before I left for the tour that I was pretty sure I was going to get fired for going on, uh I had to train everybody to basically eliminate my position there. Uh <laughs> that was that was a lame couple of days. <laughs> when you got the Craig of the Creek job, did that come as a, a sort of fully formed full-time thing? No, it it came to me as the pilot for the show. Um and I just I like leapt to the phone when I got the email. I was just like, yes, 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 yes. I want to write music for a cartoon. Um and then it got picked up uh and when it got picked up for 20 episodes i was just like hey i i don't know if you're getting like a professional person to do this but i want to do this job uh please like if my name's in the running i would love it i would love to do this um and then i got the job and i was really excited i was like okay i got 20 episodes that's cool i kind of figured out I booked like a like a few very short tours uh, to do when we put out the record post. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. And then we're going to put out that record with no notice. And so we'll just do these short tours. It'll be cool. I'll be able to feel the situation out, whatever. Um, and then uh, like two days after we put out post, I got an email that was like, okay, we got picked up for 80 episodes. Are you in or are you out? And I was just like, this is the job I've always wanted. This is going to be crazy, but I'm in. You know, excellent, and that required moving to the West Coast, did it? Uh, no, but I kind of—I mean, I did—I did a lot of the show before I moved out here. I, I just moved out here recently. I kind of—it's just there's a lot of reasons for moving out here. I kind of felt like if I want to keep doing this, it would be cool to like meet other people who do this and like I don't know, just be around. Like if I ever. I don't know. I got my foot in the door of a weird world here, Giles. And I didn't like get here because I have a uh, manager or an agent like helping it happen. So I was just like, all right, I don't know if I'm ever going to get this chance again. I should probably like move out here where, first of all, I have more sp- I'm not like in a closet working anymore, which is nice. And I have family out here, which is nice and friends out here. Uh but also like maybe I can meet some people who make movies and try and like make music for movies. And if that doesn't work out, that doesn't work out. It's totally cool. But it's kind of like the side one dummy thing where it's like, all right, let's see, uh, let's see how far I could push this. Uh, but then also on the other hand, it's like, I like I'm working on this, uh, collaborative creative project, Craig of the Creek. And, uh, everybody who works on it is in one place and I'm the only person who's working isolated in a closet on the other coast. So 
it's just kind of nice to be out here when like i don't know like they had their a little party they had a little party they had a party for the 100th episode and it was just cool to be like oh i could just get in my car and go to that instead of be like feel disconnected you know you say you've got the foot in this weird little world i mean what's your what's your outlook and all that right now i don't know man like i i think just the world as a composer like do you know how to fucking become a composer i don't like if i if i tried to figure out how to do this i wouldn't i wanted to do this i like asked in the time in between my solo band and bond the music industry uh I'd ask the publishing company I was working with, like, hey, help me get jobs writing songs for movies. Help me, like, I want to do this stuff. And I, like, I scored, like, a short film that a friend had edited. And I scored, like, a a, a long-form Dick's Sporting Goods ad uh, that a friend asked me to do. And that was it. I was like, oh, I guess I'm never going to do this. So I feel like now that I feel like now that I'm in, I'm just like, okay. I just, like, I just want to keep doing this. You know what I mean? Has, you, has your recording setup changed making making music for, for the TV show as opposed to your normal solo setup? No, I mean, I've upgraded it. That's for sure. Uh, like I have, uh, I must have, I wonder when I, I, I got like a nice interface. Um, I, uh, I've gotten a lot of like very good orchestral samples that were pretty costly, but I think that they improved uh, my work for the show tremendously. Like, I don't really think I'd be able to make a believable orchestral score without the stuff that I've got. Um, But it is like, oh, it's still the same fucking computer that like I recorded. I look like shit on and (laughs) it's still like, you know, it's just my keyboards and stuff like that. I like I don't know. uh, I've I've added some outboard gear just because I feel like I should learn it. But. I, you know, I don't know. The first 20 episodes of the show I did on a fucking laptop with a, with a like hundred dollar interface just because I was, I wanted to do it that way. (laughs) You know what I mean? Were you ever scared that they, you know, that it sounded kind of not professional enough to them? Like, you know, Jeff, why did it sound like this? I'm scared every time I said to episode that I'm going to have that happen. Uh, But I know that like uh, the creators are fans of my, of my music outside of this show. Uh, and it seemed, and from what they tell me, unless they're all lying, which does not seem in their personalities to do so, but the crew of the show uh, is happy with the music. So, uh, you know, I dodged the bullet there and they like it. <laughs> Great to hear. So far, you've only talked about jobs that you, you do like. Uh, we got to talk about, we got to talk about some crap jobs on here, Jeff. Well, I had the, the there's a job where I broke my, foot because i was hanging a sign at a production job and uh the table that i was standing on collapsed and i just slid down to the ground and broke my foot oh no uh that job was fine though uh i had a job where uh this this is like right when i first when me and christine first moved back to new york uh and we were it was we were like couch surfing sometimes staying at my parents place but I think at this point we were staying with our friends, James and Amy and like watching their dog during the day and sleeping on their couch in their living room for a while. Uh, and I got this temp job that I was really excited about. Uh, and it ended up just being me pushing a soda cart around to these three different conference rooms in this bank uh, or in this like financial firm and making sure 
that like every fridge and every con- conference room had four Diet Cokes, two Coca-Colas, two Sprites, two grape sodas, four seltzers, two apple juices, two orange juices, and six bottles of water. And then go to the next one, making sure it had that. The go to the next one, making sure it had that. And then just kind of standing there because I wasn't allowed to look at my phone or look at the internet. Uh, I just kind of standing there. And then eventually going back to that other conference room, replacing the one soda that got drank and doing that uh, for a while. Uh, and that job was short-lived. <laughs> I think that would give me so much OCD, you know, especially with those kinds of menial tasks. I would make sure that all the cans are facing the right way or the way that I want them to. Do you, do you have anything like that? No, I, I do kind of, but I don't, man, I, any, maybe I did. And it was just a thrill to feel OCD about it and uh, have something to do. Like, not only do I have to put these cans in this cooler, but I also have to face them. That was like a big, I feel like I got, when I was doing bike delivery uh, for a pizza place, uh, I got very into in my downtime facing all my bills so that they all face the right way. And that's something that kind of stuck with me throughout being in a touring band now is that whenever we have like door money or merch money, I get very OCD about the bills not facing the right way. I think it's so interesting how we can let that stuff control us sometimes. And it's like, why? Who fucking cares? I feel like I've been to the bank depositing money and all the bills that are facing one way get in and then the bills that aren't facing that way don't get in and they give me this look of of uh, shame and I'm just like, no, I'm sorry. I know you've had a long day and I'm just driving around my friends, eating snacks and talking shit and drinking beers. Why didn't I face these bills for you? And did you find it hard ever to find a job? Did you ever go through like pretty dry periods where you just couldn't find something? When we were living in Queens, like around the time that the record Goodbye Cool World came out, uh, and that was like the first apartment I'd ever lived in. And uh, my job as an art director at a club in Long Island had ended unceremoniously when the venue closed. Um, And I had some money saved up and I was good, but it was very much just like, I don't know. I always, I, I was lucky enough to be able to fake my way into one or two like graphic design jobs where like I worked for a day or two and I would make like a hundred or 200 bucks uh, and pay the bills. I like, I, or like being on Craigslist and just like, Oh God, like scouring through these like graphic design gigs where somebody's like, I need somebody to resize 500 photos. I'll give you $50. And then I'd write back and be like, I'll resize your 500 photos for $50. And then they'd write back. Somebody said they do it for 40. And then I'd be like, I'll do it for 35. And then like not hear back and be like, I'll do it for 30. Like I've had, moments like that uh eventually i i uh you know i i don't know just sometimes but i i just have always managed to find the work though when i've when i've needed to i think or maybe i've just you know maybe just those weeks of weeks of being unemployed and not being able to find a job i have like 
not. I don't have too many memories of them because it's just me sitting on the computer going, fuck, fuck, you know? And you must have been doing this for so long. I mean, the last 15 plus years. I mean, playing music isn't, you know, a solid linear life. Yeah, I I think I was really lucky to work at that club in Long Island right when I got out of school uh, and to eventually, like go from my title there being graphic designer and just making the flyers to becoming the art director there, which I think they just did because I asked for a raise from like $6 to $8. And I, or I probably asked for like, Hey, can I get like 12 bucks an hour? They were probably like, well, and I know for sure they were like, we'll give you $8 half on the books, half off the books. But then also we will call you an art director. Uh, and you, and that's your new title. That's what your raise comes with. And I remember thinking like, this is bullshit. Like this doesn't change anything. Um, but then on my resume, I got to write down that I was an art director at a club. And I think that that like, at the very least, like got me into these like one or two gigs where I was like, yeah, I know how to make a website. And then just like go in and like do a very bad job for a day, get my $200 and never get called back again. You know, do you think it was, a, it was a timing thing as well? Because around that time, the internet was starting to take hold of its presidents. And- yeah. Uh, I, I, I think so. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I kind of, pref- I would have preferred if I only had gotten like print graphic design jobs, to be honest with you. I know, I didn't realize until like my last like real graphic design job that like the world of web and the world of print are actually just supposed to be two different kinds of people who are doing that. I just thought you have to do all the things that are on the computer. Uh, so I, I don't know. Um, I definitely got more web jobs because of that. I got one very weird job where I, which I think like, my parents' computer guy uh, knew this other guy who wanted help with his website. Um, and his website was this thing called Funsercise, which was his wife doing exercise videos for senior citizens that were fun. Uh, and so I would like drive out to, and I was like, okay, I'm going to make a website for this guy. Cool. Um, and I would drive out to his house in Long Island from Queens. Uh, and I would just sit there as he would like go on Google and basically talk about like, try to get his web presence up and be like, see, when I search senior exercise video fun, fun exercise is on the second page, three down. But when I... When I search resistance bands, videos, workout, seniors, it's number three. But when I Google this thing, and it was like one of those websites with like a crazy amount of text just because they're trying to get every meta tag and every spider to like spit it out into the world. And I remember just being like, I like I'm getting paid here to do literally nothing for this person except for watch him Google his own website. Uh, and then eventually, uh, his wife like brought in smoothies, uh, one day with, uh, cholesterol in them. And they were like, oh, cholesterol is good for you. And he was like, do you know what cholesterol is? I was like, nah, I guess I probably heard of it. And he goes, it's what comes out when you suck on your girlfriend's tit. And I was like, what? And then it was apparently like breast milk smoothies that I was drinking. And I never went back. <laughs> No fucking way. Yeah, it was a weird thing. Is that is that abuse? I well, they is is it abuse if you think you're doing something that's increasing my health and helping? 
I it was it was very weird. I don't know. Maybe it was powdered breast milk. Maybe it's just the thing that's in breast milk. I don't know. But I got freaked, and I was like. Cool. So, uh, see you next week. <laughs> and then I just never went back. Oh man, I love just the ditching work stories. I'm a big, big fan of the quitting on the spot. Oh, I cold left a job interview once where I kind of basically got called out for like not knowing how to do the thing that I said I knew how to do. It's the only job interview I've ever been on where I've done a good job in the interview. And I was like oh shit, I got this. And I like, they're like, all right, we're going to run you through a test on Photoshop in the other room. Like, great. And I like went in the other room, they're listening to the Deltron 3030 record as just everybody at computers. I was like, ah, this is where I want to be. I want to be a graphic designer. And I like, I got up to the computer and it was just, they were asking me to use the pen tool in Photoshop to create a clipping mask, which at the time I didn't know how to do, which currently I still don't know how to do well with a pen tool. But I just like, I stood there and I was like, yeah, yeah, I got this. And then when they left, I just walked out and (laughs) never talked to them again. Christ. (laughs) What's your relationship with your parents like? I mean, what was it like when you first started touring? Er Early on, I I don't know. They probably just had the concerns that any parent has, which is like, uh, are you going to be able to support yourself, you know? Um, but I was, so it kind of just, you know, I think they, I think they were always concerned that the other, like, when is the other shoe going to drop with me, like touring and not really making much money and like having these kind of fleeting jobs every now and then. Uh, and it's, but then the weird thing that I think happened that I didn't expect was that like, when Bond the Music Industry stopped, I remembered like being in the car with my parents and Christine as we were like driving to visit family uh, on on Christmas and just talking about it. And all three of them being like, "Yeah, what do you?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, I'm I'm not gonna do this touring shit anymore. Like, I I'm stressed. I'm stressed trying to figure out how to make money and then go on tour. Then how to make money and go on tour. Then how to make money and go on tour. Like." I, I feel like I'm spending, I like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Uh, but you know, uh, I think I need to stop making music and just kind of focus on be doing graphic design. And I'm like happy with what I've done with bomb. And all of them were just like, you, that's stupid. You should definitely not stop making music. And I remember just be like, what? I thought that oh, <laughs> doing wow. this band was something that was irritating to everybody because I've just always, I'm like, you know, I'm fucking, weird hobo person who's just like you know sleeping on floors at friends houses all across america and then coming home and like you know scrambling to find like whatever job i can that that will have me for like a month or two you know uh but they they were very uh very weirdly supportive uh after bomb broke up for me to like continue to try and pursue music uh which I I don't know if I would have in my thirties if like we hadn't had that conversation I probably would have just I probably would have gone to school for like UX and tried to figure out how to do that uh, which would have I would have been way less happy than I am now making music for this cartoon you know and no dream is so good man I'm I'm convinced it's your best record yet thanks Giles I like it and it sounds harsh I mean it sounds it's punk. It's a punk one for sure. Which is maybe a strange thing to say because some of the bomb stuff was was harsh in places, but this has an aggression. 
I think we just try to make the guitars sound like less less like discernible notes more and more every record it's just like how many fuzz pedals can we run this thing through <laughs> and it's out on polyvinyl and you've been working with polyvinyl for, for a little bit now and i mean how how's that there i know chris farron your good friend is has been with them for a few years oh everybody there is really nice they're really supportive they're kind to me when i'm like hey i just want to put this record out and i don't want to sit on it anymore uh they were really nice with that with no dream and they were cool with the uh no announcement thing for post. It's cool. Uh, it's neat. I mean, that label started with uh, Matt and Matt and Darcy like tabling at shows with a distro at like at like DIY shows. So it's uh, cool to be kind of part like part of this label that has really long independent lineage well jeff thank you so much for coming on what's next to you right now i don't know uh i I got a bunch of craig the creek and i guess we wait until we uh, i don't know we wait until our country and the world deals with this pandemic and then we could go on tour again all right nice one jeff thanks giles go back to the doll queue Please don't tell P from the pub because he'll judge me, but I don't mind. I've been paying my taxes on time. I'm not central, not essential. I've never worked for the NHS. Yeah, I've clapped hands and I beat pants. Put away the kitchen utensils now. Don't let your P45 give you chills because we need jobs. We need one hundred one part-time jobs. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.